What is going on, everybody? Drew Pouncing here, host of the No Playbook Podcast, and this is the first episode, so uh, we're going to try and throw a little bit more stuff at you as time goes along, but this is episode one of No Playbook Sports Podcast, and there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on over the past couple of days. Let's let's dive right in. So yesterday, can we just agree uh, that this has been the best NFL offseason? There have been stars getting traded, staying this has been the biggest name free agency in NFL history. I, I don't I don't see how you could debate it. So yesterday, Devontae Adams got traded to the Raiders from the Packers. And there was a report that came out that the Packers offered Devontae more money to stay. And he went and decided to go play for the Raiders. And the Packers traded away Devontae to the Raiders, and they got a 2022 first-round pick and a second-round pick. Now, I don't know the pick of the second, but the first-rounder is a 20, or excuse me, is the 22nd pick. And you have to go receiver here, right? This is a a fairly stacked receiving class. One of the guys that I think could still be on the board is Traylon Burks. Um, I don't think anybody's going to take him. They're, he's one of those guys that's a lot of upside, but I could also see them packaging these picks for another player. Uh, Robert Woods has come up in a lot of trade talks with the Rams signing Allen Robinson. So I don't I don't know how willing the Rams are going to trade uh, Robert Woods because there hasn't been a report that's come out that said that the Rams have given Robert Woods a you know chance to go seek a trade or whatever. So. Derek Carr gets his guy, Devontae Adams. They were teammates at Fresno State. And I think this this Raiders team is going to be pretty good. But are they really Are they going to finish fourth in this division? I mean, it's crazy to say that Derek Carr, who could be the best quarterback in another division, is the worst quarterback in this division. You got Mahomes, Wilson, Herbert, and Carr. Now, you can do whatever with Wilson and Herbert, but I think Patrick Mahomes is undeniably the best quarterback in this division. And, you know, I think they have the best receiver in this in this division. You got Keenan Allen on the Chargers. You got Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs. The Raiders just got Devontae. I mean, the Broncos... Eh, you know, Cortland Sutton could be up there, but I I think it's weird because the Raiders have the best quarter or excuse me, the best receiver and the worst quarterback. But in the it, it's weird, okay. And Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback at all. He's probably top ten. And so with the addition of Josh McDaniels and the Raiders getting Devontae Adams, this with a change to the playoffs that happened a couple years ago where there are now three wild card teams. This there could be a whole division that gets into this playoffs. You know, you've got one of them that wins the division, they get an automatic bid, and then the other three are going to play each other in the in the wild card. So I I don't know. It's it's going to be tough. I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see this how this goes out because of how you know stack of this division is and who takes it. The Broncos have a good shot. The Chargers have a decent shot. And then the Raiders have a fantastic offense with Carr, Jacobs, and now Devontae Adams. I don't know. It's it's going to be tough to see 
what the Raiders do on the defensive side of the ball. And they weren't terrible. They were about middle of the pack. But whenever you're competing, competing with Wilson and Mahomes and Herbert, you know, three of the top ten quarterbacks in this in the league, your defense has got to be pretty good. And I think they just lost – or they're going to lose Casey Hayward and they're not going to bring him back. And so this division is a lot of offense. So the best defense, right, would be you got the Broncos, you got the Chargers, the Chiefs, who you could twist, you could flip them. I'm not going to – you know, it's not a wide margin that's separating them, but Khalil Mack I think adds in another key element. And they just got J.C. Jackson. And the Chiefs just – I just talked myself into it. So it's the second is the Chargers because the Chiefs just brought in Justin Reed instead of Tyron Matthew, and Tyron Matthew ran that defense. And then you've got the Raiders. But offensively, where do you rank them? You know, you got the best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and Patrick Mahomes, and then you've got the best receiver, if not, you know, top three at least, and Devontae Adams. So this division is going to be extremely scary for – Anybody that plays it, and I'm going to go over the divisions in a later episode and see, you know, look at who's going to win, who's going to lose, stuff like that. So so let's jump now to Deshaun Watson being a Cleveland Brown. The Browns will receive Deshaun Watson and a fifth-round pick. The Texans get three first-round picks, one third-round pick, and one fourth-round pick. And I tweeted out, I said, I don't think there's a way that Baker Mayfield is included in this package because they like Davis Mills, who came out of Stanford. And plus, you're going to have to pay Baker next year, yada, yada, yada. So Baker is up in the air. A lot of people speculate that he's going to go to Indianapolis, which wouldn't be bad because they don't have a quarterback. But it it's just a trade that will we'll have to come down to, you know, it being happened before we talk about it. But... Deshaun is now the second player in NFL history to get traded for three first-round picks, the other one being Herschel Walker back in the day. And honestly, if Deshaun Watson can play and is playing to, you know, what he was playing to before all of this stuff happened, is it crazy to say the Browns won this trade? Yes, you get, you know, you gave up three first-round picks, but they're going to be late. You know, you're talking 20s to... 30s depending on how far they go and with Deshaun Watson he's a clear upgrade over Baker Mayfield like it's a noticeable gap and now with Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt Deshaun Watson who's also can run the ball you have a nasty a nasty you know RPO game you could run a read option with Deshaun and Nick Chubb and you know, Deshaun's going to make the right read, and you got Nick Chubb on one side who is going to run over somebody, and then you got Deshaun who's just going to, you know, fake somebody out. It is, I think, Cleveland, the sky is the limit. And now with Baker, with this roster, they also extended Deshaun. They gave him a huge bag that was fully guaranteed. I think $230 million was the number. With the Browns getting Deshaun Watson, there's no reason. Now, this year, you know, he may not play, yada, 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 or he'll get suspended, whatever. I I don't see the – I could honestly see this going, you know, one of two ways. I can see the Browns keeping Baker, and that's more or less for the fact that if Deshaun gets suspended, they have Baker, 
and now Baker could decide to sit out and then they have to trade him, which will probably happen. But if Deshaun gets suspended, then what? Those are six games that are down the drain. Now they could bring in, I don't think Marcus Mariota would be a bad idea. But is he going to back up Deshaun or could he go somewhere to get a starting job? Um, I know the Saints are going to re-sign Jameis Winston after losing out on Deshaun Watson. The Panthers could offer Marcus Mariota a deal. It's it, it really all depends on what the league is going to do to Deshaun because they're not, you know, they came out and said this this trade is not going to stop them from, you know, digging deeper into Deshaun Watson's case and all that stuff. But it's just, I don't think, I look at this and whenever the Texans first came out and they said we were going to trade Deshaun and Deshaun wanted a trade, they were saying like, Three first-round picks, a couple players, yada, yada, yada. You have three first-round picks, which are going to be late, and the Texans are going to have early enough picks. You get a third, a fourth, and they also the Browns get a fifth-round pick. Now, granted, these later picks, you know, the fourth and the fifth, you have a smaller chance of hitting on a players, but still, you know, it's good to have picks. It's just, I think the Browns really got away with Winning this trade, especially if he takes you to a Super Bowl, a conference championship, even, you know, you can't say the second round because Baker, you know, beat Pittsburgh last year, or excuse me, two years ago. So the sky is the limit. I think with this team, the floor would have to be, you know, a first round exit. Because I think they're going to be at least a. I don't know. The AFC is really tough. They're going to at least be a top three seed because you're going to have whoever comes out of that AFC West division. You have the Browns. Depending on who the Colts get, you could have the Colts or Titans. Duh. Okay. So after long thinking, okay, I finally figured, I had to Google who this other division was. It's the Bills. So the Browns are going to be a top three seed. You've got, you're going to battle with the Chiefs. The Colts, depending on who they get at quarterback, are a solid team. And then the Titans, they're going to have a healthy Derrick Henry back. Now Ryan Tannehill, whenever he's on, he's on. When he's not, he's clearly not. The Bengals coming off a Super Bowl win and their offensive line getting better. They have lost a couple defensive pieces, but not enough for you to scare scare anybody. The Bills, and then, you know, with Bill Belichick, the Patriots are always going to be up there. So I think the floor for this team is a wild card. Because looking at pure rosters, I think the Browns are better than the Raiders. And then the Chargers are kind of iffy. I think the Broncos are simply better just because of the weapons that they have. They have a lot of young, talented receivers. I mean, the, the Browns' number one receiver is Amari Cooper. It's it's going to be tough. I think, like I said, the floor is a wild card. But the ceiling, arguably, a two or three seed. I think whoever comes out of this AFC West is going to lock up, may lock up the one seed, but I don't know. It depends on it's a tough division. Every team is going to be battling for the division title. 
I, I would say a one seed too, honestly. I don't see a one seed being completely out of the picture simply because you're going to have Kansas City, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. They're all going to lose to each other at least one time. You know, There's no way that any team in this division is sweeping another divisional team. And there's a lot of people that are upset that their team didn't get Deshaun. Uh, the Eagles, I you know, I have a buddy who's an Eagles fan who is not happy that he uh, he is now a Brown. I mean, this whole NFC South was battling for him from New Orleans, Atlanta to Carolina. Atlanta was a sleeper team simply on the simply off the fact that he's from Atlanta. But what what are you going to do with it? Who are you going to have to give up, Matt Ryan, and literally all your picks? You know, you're not going to win right away. Where Cleveland, it gives Deshaun the best option to plug and play and make the playoffs and, you know, go as far as he can carry this team. This team is ridiculous. You got Miles Garrett coming off the edge, Deshaun on one, you know, on offense, Nick Chubb. They have released a couple offensive linemen, I think. It was uh, J.C. Trider, who recently just got released, the center. But. I don't I don't see this team doing anything but taking a huge leap forward after finishing 8-9 with Baker playing horrible with him being injured. And on the Texan side, I think the Jaguars have solidified their offensive line, so they're not going to take an offensive lineman. The Lions may take one, but it depends on who they take because there's a couple of them that are up there. I think the Texans could get Evan Neal and build around him. The Texans quarterbacks were sacked 44 times last year, okay? And that ties them for third in the whole NFL. Tyrod Taylor played six games, got sacked 13 times. Davis Mills plays 11, gets sacked 31 times. So I think that, you know, unless someone does fall to them, like if Aiden Hutchinson falls to them, there's a that's a no-brainer. You have to take Aiden Hutchinson. But other than that, I think the offensive linemen <clears> – <throat> would be a huge step in the right direction. Anything is going to be a huge step in the right direction for the Texans. And they're drafting, you know, they're, they're getting a lot more options with drafting with these, these picks that have come from the Browns. So now Tom Brady, who was retired for a month and a half, is back. And I heard that he wanted to go play for San Francisco, and then Bruce Arians came out and said, well, it's like five first-round picks, and the 49ers traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance. So that was unrealistic. So he's, he eventually just came back, which everyone – no, I don't think – it would have been hard to actually believe that he was going to stay retired just because of how much he's worked and how much he's grinded. And he's just – it's Tom Brady, okay? And I said that if he has a down year, I do not want to hear any – you know, any talks of him retiring because he just had his best statistical season last year of his entire career at 44 years old. This man threw for 5,000 yards, led the league in touchdowns, and there's no way that he's going to take a step back, right? Like, but if he does, I, I do not want to hear it. I really don't. It's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT, and that's a standard that he set for himself with being the greatest quarterback, the greatest player in NFL history is that a down year could – it's not going to affect his legacy, okay? He's seven Super Bowls going for eight. And he came out and said, there's unfinished business in Tampa, blah, blah, blah. Like, dude, you have seven Super Bowls. You won one with Tampa in your first year there. 
what else do you have to br- prove to anybody? Honestly. And then there's jokes about the gas prices where Tom Brady seen the inflation and came back. And I thought that was pretty hilarious. But I don't know. what Realistically, how much longer does he play? Is this his last year? Does he want just that farewell tour to go out on top? And even if he does, do they have the pieces around him for him to go out on top? It's pretty much just a race between him and the Rams at this point, unless a sleeper team emerges. But, I mean, one team I could see being pretty good next year is the Eagles. But I don't think they're going to compete with the Rams or Tex, or excuse me, the Rams or the Buccaneers. So Green Bay is going to win their division, but they don't have Devontae. And Aaron Rodgers relies heavily on Devontae to anything, and you know, rightfully so. Minnesota could be okay. Tampa is going to win their division. The Rams, the 49ers, depending on what they do and how good Trey Lance does, could also be thrown in this mix. It, it really depends on who's playing quarterback next year because of the simple fact that Jimmy G is going to be Jimmy G. He's, he's really good and he's really bad whenever he wants to be. And if Trey Lance comes out and he's a stud, you don't really have to be fantastic with the 49ers because they're so run heavy. In Arizona, depending on what they do, if they collapse again at the end of the season, the AF, NFC West is probably the toughest division in the NFC. I think the East could be the second just because of the Cowboys who have lost so many pieces now. The Eagles, the Commanders now have Carson Wentz, which we'll get to that here in a few. I just think that they're it's really a two to three team race. I mean, if you want to throw the Packers in there, by all means, you go ahead and you throw the Packers in there. But with Aaron Rodgers not having anybody to, to throw to, I don't think that it is going to be i think it's going to hurt the packers a lot more than what you know is really coming out and saying speaking of the green bay packers aaron rodgers decides to come back take a massive contract and they ended up the they ended up franchise tagging devonte he said he's not playing on the franchise tag which ended up leading to the trade and i i'm really torn on this because of aaron he's all, he's coming off of back to back mvps right fantastic top 5-10 quarterback of all time. But in the weather that they play in, and this is what gets me, Matt LaFleur is a pass-heavy offensive guy. And with Aaron Rodgers, rightfully so, you know, I think uh, he was, Matt LaFleur was an assistant for Sean McVay, then he was the offensive coordinator for the Titans, and now he's the head coach of the Packers. And I'm not saying, you know, Matt LaFleur is a fantastic coach. I'm saying that in the weather that they play in, I think that this should be a more run-centric offense, or at least run the ball more than what they do, because it seems like a lot of times they're like, man, we're down. This isn't looking good. Aaron, go go save the day. And I honestly think that with the Packers, they're probably not going to get the one seed this year. I don't think that necessarily hurts them, because home field advantage, they can't even correctly use the home field advantage because they do the exact opposite of what the weather is telling them to do they're like hey we you should run the ball 35 times they're like did you say throw i'm pretty sure i heard you say throw and then they get into this to where they're low scoring games and aaron Rodgers. you can't blame aaron Rodgers because he had a good game but you have to put up more than 10 points in a home playoff game but how do you do that whenever you're throwing the ball in the snow it's just a whole 
thing. It's so frustrating because I'm so sick and tired of people coming out and saying this is the I think he had the best Packer team in a long time. And they lost to the Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo came in there and beat Aaron Rodgers. Makes sense. Because the 49ers play how the Packers should play in the weather. Kyle Shanahan said if we run the ball 35 times to 40 times, he likes his chances of winning. Matt LaFleur is a more pass-heavy guy. And again, rightfully so, you have Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm not saying that, I mean, Kyle Shanahan had Matt Ryan and made him an MVP candidate, but he also had two dominant, not dominant, but two backs in Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman that were, Devontae Freeman was in his prime, and then Tevin Coleman went on to get a contract from another team that was a pretty big contract. And I think if you switch these two these two coaches, if you give Kyle Shanahan the Green Bay Packers and you give Matt LaFleur the 49ers, they are two completely different teams. Like, I think they get better, significantly better, and it, which is really weird to say because I think they just both play opposite weather, right? You see Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's a run heavy. You think, oh, he, you know, he, he'd be really good out there in, you know, Green Bay or Chicago, where they have a really run heavy offense, and then Matt Lafleur would be really good in a pass heavy offense as well. So I think, now granted, this will probably never happen, but I think if they, if you switch these two coaches, I think it's a match made in heaven. Now you can't. I don't think they're gonna. Okay, like, hey, I'll give you Kyle Shanahan for Matt Lafleur. That's just, I don't know. That's just a take that I have, and I think it's. I don't think it's too crazy and too out of the realm of possibility. Sticking with this quarterback trend, Russell Wilson is now a Denver Bronco. The Broncos will receive Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth-round pick. The Seahawks get pick nine, a first-rounder next year, pick 40, a second-rounder next year, a fifth-rounder this year, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, and Shelby Harris. And there was something that came out, or I heard somewhere, that the Broncos, excuse me, the Seahawks are trying to convince themselves that Drew Locke is the answer at quarterback. And honestly, I don't think that they have much of a choice. This team needs so, so, so much help. On the offensive side alone, they have offensive linemen that they need help with. A quarterback would go a long way. A running back. A tight end. The only team, the only position that you can make an argument for that they don't need help with is receiver. And I argue that they could meet, they could use more depth at receiver because DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are your top two targets on that team. And rightfully so. Tyler Lockett is just Tyler Lockett. He can have games where he goes, you know, one catch for 15 yards. He has a game where he goes 10 catches for 150 yards. He is so just whatever they need him to do. And DK, DK Metcalf is just a freak of nature physically. And so with pick nine, I don't, I think you go best player available. Now, whether that's Kyle Hamilton, you're telling me that Jamal Adams who can't cover is going to stay at safety. I, I really wish the Seahawks would just break it all down and just ship everything away. But then you run into, they haven't hit on a lot of their picks. They haven't hit on a lot of their first round picks in general. There's, there's no, if you take the best player available, okay, and whoever is at the top of your board, if you take them with your pit first round pick 
I think you're taking a step in the right direction. I really do not want them to take a quarterback. A quarterback would be absolutely ridiculous. Drew Locke is not great. He's also not the worst thing that could have happened, right? Noah Fant is an emerging tight end. And if that's the best package, you know, the best part of this, it would have been different if they gave up pick nine last year where there were studs on the board. Like, ridiculous. Last year's draft is significantly better than this year. I think there's a lot of plug-and-play guys this year, but just as star-studded, last year was fantastic. But pick nine, you know, Kyle Hamilton could go in this round. Um... Offensive linemen could go in this round. Any, any Anything can help this team. And I really wish they would just break it down, keep DK Metcalf trade, Tyler Lockett, Jamal Adams, Bobby Wagner is no longer on the team. They released him. It, it they're, they're trying to rebuild, and there not, may not be that big of a market for what they gave up, which was, I think, like two first, a bunch of picks for Jamal Adams. I think there's probably not a market that they want out there for him, or they, maybe they're just not going to trade him. Either way, it it's an it's severely. I I just wish they would break it down, trade everything, and for the Broncos' standpoint, you know, you get a you trade Noah Fant, yeah, Shelby Harris, okay, you get off Drew Locke, I, and you know the biggest part of this is the Noah Fant, and there's a, some pretty good tight ends in this year's draft that could go. You know, there's not. I don't think there's really necessarily going to be a tight end that goes in the first round, but you know they they have a fifth, a fourth round pick this year. I, I don't know. I think tight end is a position that is easily replaceable, just because Russell Wilson has gone basically his whole career without a stud tight end. I mean, I think the best tight end they have. unless I'm forgetting someone, was Jimmy Graham. And they traded Max Unger for Jimmy Graham. And that offensive line has been not has, – it's just been terrible since then. And so it's – tight ends are not necessarily a dime a dozen, but if you have a guy that doesn't use tight ends as much as – you know, it'd be different if like – it'd be different if it was Tom Brady and Russell – you know, it was – Tom Brady and Gronk type of a connection, but he's never thrown to his tight ends. He's relied more on guys that just find a way to get open and just, you know, sit on their routes. And it's just, I don't, I don't necessarily think giving up Noah fan is great, but I don't think it's as bad as it sounds. So one thing I wanted to talk about that doesn't really get a lot of attention and, you know, rightfully so they don't usually do this is the Broncos. Okay. Are the Bill Belichick's of drafting quarterbacks, right? And what I mean by that is Bill Belichick is pretty bad at drafting receivers. The Broncos are the equivalent of that of drafting quarterbacks. And I think it's around the same area that they're drafting in, right? Because the Patriots are the Patriots, and the Broncos usually don't take quarterbacks in the top 15. In fact, the last quarterback that they took in the top 15 was Jay Cutler in 2006. Tim Tebow was in 2010 at pick 25. And looking back at it, he was, you know, the arguably, not arguably, he was flat out the best quarterback left in that draft. And then Paxton Lynch at 26 in 2016. They missed on a couple. Jacoby Brissett, 
he's not bad, but I think Paxton Lynch, he's he's miles ahead of Paxton Lynch, and Dak Prescott, which a lot of teams wish that they could go back, and Dak Prescott would arguably go number one in that draft, just because of how bad the quarterbacks play were for every team that was picking in the top two. It's, I think, you know, there's really not enough that the Broncos could have given up for them to trade the best football player to ever grace Seattle, right? Like, Russell Wilson is unarguably the best player in Seattle franchise history. And you could make the argument with him and Ken Griffey Jr. on who the best athlete in specifically Seattle is. Carson Wentz, now a Washington commander. The Commanders get Carson Wentz, pick 47, and a seventh-round pick this year. The Colts get a third-rounder this year, a 2023 third-rounder that could convey to us a second if Wentz plays 70% of the snaps, and they also get pick 42. So they just swapped second-round picks this year. For the Commanders, I love this trade. I think that it's a clear upgrade over Taylor, Taylor Haneke. Now, was Taylor Haneke holding this team back? No. Chase Young missed, you know, almost the whole year. And whenever he was healthy, he wasn't playing, you know, as good as people had hoped for him to be playing. I think that they just need a little bit of just, you know, juice. And I think Carson Wentz, now there's a lot of stuff that's come out that's saying that he was, he's not a good locker guy. And this has been reported on multiple teams. It's just, he's a clear upgrade. You didn't give up the whole farm to get him. And, you know, they're going to pay him his whole salary. The Colts get off that salary. It's just the Commanders, there's not a good quarterback in this draft that is worth taking in the top 10. Now, granted, Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are probably going to go, at least Malik Willis, who is a major project. But, you know, they're going to be fighting for second place in that division. Because I don't think that they're better than the Cowboys or the Eagles. You know, you can maybe sneak in just because of how weak the NFC is. You can maybe sneak in, maybe win a wild card game if you if you play, you know, a division foe. But for the Colts, I think this was more of a panic move. And Jim Ursay was furious. After they lost that game to the Jags. And here's what I say to that. It's not just a Carson Wentz team. Now this may have been, you know, a great team. And it, it was. Jonathan Taylor had his best career or his best year in his career. Which is not a big sample size considering this is his second year in the league. They don't have, they're lacking a lot of things. Okay. And this is what kind of made me feel like it was more of a panic move than an actually... Smart move. Michael Pittman Jr. is your number one receiver. Let that sink in, okay? I'm not, there's nothing, I have nothing against Michael Pittman Jr. He is a fantastic receiver. I don't think he's number one yet. Now, he could take a huge step forward this year. I just, I'm not a fan of, let's blame it all on Carson Wentz whenever, you know, They've been in this situation so many times before. Since Frank Wright 
has been hired on the coach. It seems like the Colts are consistently starting off so bad that they have to go hit this winning streak to even be considered for the playoffs. They started like, what, 1-3? And, and I'm not even saying you have to be 4-0. and 2-2 oh. two and two is perfectly fine. When, but when you start 1-3 and 0-4, and oh and you are digging yourself in a hole that is, this year, un, unescapable. Now, with Phillip Rivers last year, they started off the same exact way. They lost in Jacksonville. And this is not just a Carson Wentz thing. You're going to go to Jacksonville and you're going to win. They have lost six straight matchups in Jacksonville. Dating back to the best quarterback that they've had since Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck lost in Jacksonville. I just cannot stand that. The, you know, Carson Wentz, he's not a great quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. He's about middle of the pack. You just cannot blame all of this on Carson Wentz. Whenever you let Trevor Lawrence, who, yes, is a generational talent, whether he turns out to be that, probably will just because of Jacksonville being, you know, okay. Trevor Lawrence had like almost 300 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. It's just, and Jonathan Taylor only got 15, you know, handoffs, which let me look up the stats and I'll be right back. This episode of No Playbook is sponsored by me. Go ahead and click that subscribe button, share the feed, share it with whoever you want to share it with. Just go ahead and share it and let's get the word out and let's continue to grow LTT Productions. And I can only do that with your help. Now, Back to the show. But in 2018, they went 1-5, and five, finished 10-6, and six, and they lost in divisional. In 2019, this was the year that Andrew Luck retired. So they went 2-2, two and two, finished 7-9, and nine, which was the first year of Jacoby Brissett, which is, you know, arguable. 2020, they went 3-1 and one with Phillip Rivers, and they went 11-5. and five, And then they lost in the wild card to the Buffalo Bills. And then this year, they went 1-4, finished 9-8, and eight, and then missed the playoffs. Going back to the Jonathan Taylor where he had to rush for over 123 yards for them to win. He rushed for 90, no, he rushed for 74, and then the team as a whole rushed for 90. That is your lead back, who was the best running back in the league this year with Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey all being hurt, and he's going to be top three again next year so no this whole this whole Carson Wentz is the whole reason why is absolutely blasphemy and I just can I it makes sense then and it doesn't make sense now happy for the commanders you know you get you know a bridge guy because next year's draft class is going to be really good so either Carson Wentz balls out you keep him or he's bad they get a good pick they draft a quarterback and Carson Wentz is on and on so let's jump into some signings with Mitchell Trubisky is now a Pittsburgh Steeler. This is all going to come down to the offensive line and how well, the, how well they can protect Trubisky. He was sacked the lowest time of his career, which was, I believe, 25 times. He was a pro bowler. They went... I, they either went to the wild card of the divisional where the, the kicker missed the field goal, double doink, whatever. Whenever he has sacked 30-plus times, he has gone a total of 12 for 15, 24 touchdowns, and 17 interceptions. In his Pro Bowl season alone, 
He threw for 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. The team went 12, excuse me, and the team went 11 and 3 in the games that he played. So the recipe for Mitchell Trubisky is simple. You keep him up, you keep him safe, you keep him healthy. Leads to leads to a lot of wins. He, he's a more agile Jared Goff is basically what the stats are telling you because when Jared Goff is under pressure, he's not the same quarterback. Whenever Mitchell Trubisky is under pressure, he's not the same quarterback. So if the Steelers can keep him upright, make sure that nobody's touching him, lean more on Najee Harris, I think the Steelers can be a wild card team, if not tinkering right around the wild card right around in that area. They have one of the worst rushing defenses, so don't I'm not going to be surprised if they do go and take a a defensive lineman with their first pick, but they also just lost Juju Smith-Schuster as of yesterday. He was a free agent. He signed with the Chiefs for right around 10 million. Now he did miss some time with his shoulder surgery and him, you know, just being hurt, but that's a key loss for Mitchell Trubisky. Now, I think Claypool is probably going to be take over Reigns as the num- the number two receiver with Deontay Johnson being number one, who had a fantastic year last year. But I think they get a receiver in the later rounds, but I think defensive line is going to be a key, more, more so defensive tackle, because you have Cam Hayward and then TJ Watt. I think defensive tackle, guys that can just stuff up that middle of the line can be can help the Steelers a long way. Amari Cooper is now a Cleveland Browns staying in division. His stats last year included 68 receptions, 860 yards, and eight touchdowns. Now he was, Dak Prescott is going to miss Amari Cooper just because he, he's, he's physically he's not reliable, but offensively he's, he's whenever he's on, he's on. And it it's interesting because the Browns also released Jarvis Landry, which are two, of the same-ish type of players, they're not really going to burn you over the top. They're more methodical route runners. And I, I think they just got a more expensive version of Jarvis Landry because they ended up releasing Jarvis. And Jarvis's 12 games played. He had 52 receptions, 570 yards, and two touchdowns. And he's free to sign wherever he wants. And as of I'm recording this. He has not yet signed with a team, but who knows? I think whatever team gets Jarvis Landry, you put him in as the third string receiver. The Steelers wouldn't be a bad option. The Browns, excuse me, the Ravens wouldn't be a bad option either because of how poor their just their receiving core is. Brandon Sheriff is now a Jacksonville Jaguar, the five-time Pro Bowler and one-time first-team All-Pro. Heads to Jacksonville, where I think this is more a move for the the draft. I think they're telling you they're not taking offensive linemen. Aiden Hutchinson is now more than likely going to be the number one overall pick. This isn't terrible. You know, it's obviously really good. Brandon Sheriff has been has been a stud since being drafted by the the then Redskins. It's just the they were they're middle of the pack with sacks given up, but their run game was just so hit or miss. And James Robinson had a fantastic year, not this past season, but the season prior. And then you know Urban Meyer comes and takes over, and it's just a whole different anything, right? 
So I think this year in Jaguar history is going to be forgotten about just because of everything that did go down with Trevor Lawrence and then James Robinson. And they also gave Christian Kirk a massive deal four year, $84 million. He's a solid number two receiver. And whenever he had to step up to the number one receiving slot, whenever, you know, Deandre Hopkins got hurt, arguably the, the, the offense got worse, and rightfully so. He's a top three receiver, if not top five receiver in the league. He had 77 receptions, 982 yards, and five touchdowns. He's coming off his best season to date. Christian Kirk is. And it's a – they need help on receiver, but I think this is not necessarily the way to go. They had to overspend just because of – it being Jacksonville, not being a big market, them not being very good. Who knows? He may take over if they, you know, I, I wish, I think they could trade back just and get more picks just because they need help, help so many other places. They also got Darius Williams from the, from the Rams. It's just, they need help so many other places that overpaying for a number two receiver is not really the best of options. The Chargers signed J.C. Jackson and Sebastian Joseph Day. They also trade for Khalil Mack. Let's just tell it how it is. The Chargers' run defense was god-awful last year. They were tied for 21, 21st in sacks. They had the fifth most attempts with 509. They had the third most yards per per game with 139 yards per game. They gave up the third most touchdowns with 22. They gave up the sixth highest yards per attempt with 4.6. And then expected points contributed by the run defense. So I'm I'm assuming that this is points that were scored on the on the ground with 41 points. Now, Cleo Mack is going to help with that. And I think this gives them more of a variety on where they can go with their first-round pick this year. Because they do still have that they gave up a second-round and a sixth-rounder to get Cleo Mack. And if Jordan Davis is still on the board, you, know, you could go him. I think if Jamison Williams is still on the board, the receiver from Alabama, you absolutely take him. He's coming off of a ACL tear. But this offense is really missing an over-the-top kind of guy. Not necessarily a Tyreek Hill skill set, but a Tyreek Hill-like. Someone that can just flat out burn their man. You know, no, you just send them on a go route and they just burn their man. No matter what the cause is. And I think this offense is really lacking that. And Jameis Williams brings that to this offense. And this was just the beginning of the AFC West and all of their... I guess signings, trades, you know, everything. And then Chandler Jones joins Devontae Adams on the Raiders. The Raiders were tied for 21st with the Chargers for the least amount of sacks. A little below average in run defense. Chandler Jones had 10.5 sacks last year. And I think I think he's only like 33, so he's still got a lot in the tank. He's just, I think, a change of scenery because he played for the Patriots and then he was traded to the Cardinals and the Cardinals got him and he had 19 and a half sacks in 2019. 
I think this is a low risk, high reward move for the Chargers because, excuse me, for the Raiders, simply off the fact that Chandler Jones is still a dominant force in this league. He's going to free up other guys just because of him being Chandler Jones. He's going to get double teamed. So he's going to open the lane up for other pass rushers, blitzers to get home because he's going to take up a majority of the block. And on every snap, the team is going to identify him and he's going to get a lot of the attention simply off the fact of, again, Chandler Jones. One of the more underrated signings was Hassan Reddick to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to win the NFC West this year. I really do. You've got Devontae Smith taking a huge step. Jalen Hurts is now. I don't think they're going to. They're definitely not drafting a quarterback. And with Deshaun Watson off the market, Jalen Hurts is now their starting quarterback. In Hassan Reddick, the Eagles were second to last in the NFL in sacks. But they were tied for seventh in quarterback hurries. And this just, I think it's more or less in their division with a their division is full of scrambling quarterbacks. Dak is probably the least likely to scramble just because he's so much better of a passer than everyone else in that division. But Daniel Jones can get out of there. And then you got Taylor Heineck you can get out of there. Mike Glennon, not so much. But still, I think it's they also brought back Fletcher Cox on a one year deal. And Hassan Reddick. Had 11 sacks last year, 12 tackles for loss, and 18 quarterback hits. I don't think this is a terrible move at all. I, I really enjoy, I really like this move for the Eagles. And again, I think that they're a dark horse team. That's not necessarily a dark horse team, just simply because it's really between them and the Cowboys. But I think that with the Cowboys losing a lot of pieces, that the Eagle, this is the Eagles' division to lose off rip. Von Miller surprises everybody and signs with the Buffalo Bills. He had a fairly solid 2021 regular season, but really showed the playoff Vaughn with four sacks and one forced fumble in the playoffs and was really a key part of the Rams winning the Super Bowl. Now, granted, the forced fumble he got, they ended up snapping it over Matt Stafford's head and they went right back on on defense. But it's still, it's Vaughn. Miller and he proved to why the Rams they gave up I believe a second and a third round pick and this was I don't I think if the Rams do not make this trade there is no way that they go out and they win the Super Bowl he was so effective for them this year he was so good I just I I mean you can make the argument and I really it really wouldn't take much to persuade me that he they could have won the playoffs or they could have won the Super Bowl with him but I think that Von Miller was such a key part of the Rams winning the Super Bowl and he got he got paid for it he got a six-year 120 million dollar contract from the Bills who were 11th in sacks with 42 and I think that this was just let's go out and let's get Von Miller why not we have the money let's just go crazy and let's go all in this year and the bills are along with that afc west they're going to be up there for one of the top two or three seeds i mentioned it earlier in the show to where i think that whoever comes out of the afc west is more than likely going to lock up that one seed and it's a toss-up between the bills and the browns on who's going to get the second and third seed 
So I think that the Bills were a coin flip away from possibly going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, if the Bills, let's say the Bills get the coin flip and they, they don't score and they give Kansas City a chance to score, they only kick a field goal, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of stuff that could have happened if the, the Bills got the ball. The outcome may have changed. It may not have changed at all. But I think that they were a coin flip and a touchdown away from going to the Super Bowl because I think the Bills are way better than the Chiefs. Not way better than the Chiefs. We're way better than the Bengals. And the really the only reason that Cincinnati was able to come back on Kansas City was I think Kansas City got – they weren't the same team coming out of the second half. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was just trying to do – too much. There was a point in time in that game where it was, I think, right before the end of the first half. And he had like 10 seconds, it felt like, to sit back there and just throw. And he was dipping and dodging. He just stood there for so long. And he had to, I think he threw it away or he missed a throw or someone, you know, it didn't end up resulting in anything. And that drained so much of the clock. And I think that instead of kicking the field goal, that was a play that they ran out with, and that's how they ended the the first half. And then the Bengals came out with momentum after stopping the Chiefs on the goal line to end the half, and it just never slowed down. Joe Burrow came out and balled out. Patrick Mahomes did quite the opposite, and you know the rest is history where the Bengals end up going on to compete for his chance to win the Super Bowl. We're ahead 90, 95% of that game, and the Rams somehow end up pulling it out. That is going to do it for episode one of No Playbook. I'm your host, Drew Pounton, and I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Thanks for listening.